0: Doing things on your own? How about someone working with a firm that isn't so responsive or in sync with your investment philosophy? My podcast talks you through all things financial. Look, there's stuff you don't deal with very often, but investments, insurance, and retirement is something we plan for each and every day. This is the Pennywise Financial Podcast, and welcome to the show. Welcome to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam. Welcome to the show, everyone. And Sam, I, I really don't know what to say. Been quite busy at the in the trading pits. If you will, right? Yeah, I bet. Been kind of quiet. My office door has been closed. I've been on the phone. I've been trading. I've been online. Um, I, I know that we talk about some of the things that we've done in the weekend. Past few weekends, I've been skiing and snowboarding. This weekend was no different. We went to a private place. Have you ever been to Hunt Hollow?
1: I've never been there, but I've heard some good stuff about it.
0: My first time. So they've got uh, eight trails. And um, the nice thing about it is, although it's small and I could see getting kind of bored of, of it over time, it has such a small uh, private network of people, it's like 400 members. So on the weekends, it's it's closed to just the members. During the week, I think Monday through Thursday, it's open to the public. But anyway, they had discount tickets, my wife saw them, we snatched them up. And we. Uh, my son snowboarded, I actually skied, which I haven't been on skis in like seven years, and the tickets were like half price so it was it was worth it and we happened to be out on the day that it was 70 degrees oh man think about it it was 70 degrees when we went out and we went out there about four or five o'clock it was that day we had the gusts of wind Mm -hmm. 60 mile an hour winds everybody's telling me don't go are you you nuts first time bringing my son in the chairlift which you just met my son this morning Yep. Yep. So I was kind of nervous. I'm like a nervous snail when it comes to kids. And he did a fantastic job. I mean, he was I've I've got videos. I got to show you some videos after, so but So did
1: they have enough snow for you to ski?
0: They did. That they did. So they they had a good base. Uh, they didn't have every single trail open. Yeah. I think there were six of eight and then, you know, we took the chairlift halfway up. We didn't go all the way up. My knees were okay, which is surprising. I'm old and
1: yeah.
0: got a lot of bumps and bruises. Were but you
1: skiing in like shorts
0: and T-shirts? There were a lot of people skiing that way. Yeah. I was that's, not. That's a lot of fun. I was not. It was it was totally fun. But on the way, we we filled up uh, and gas, mm-hmm. and this is where I'm kind of a segue into the market. But we drove out. So we're out in Victor. We drove out to Henrietta BJ's because I heard it was like the cheaper gas. Yeah, and typically it is. It's cheaper. Guess yeah. what I paid a gallon. Now we're premium, so we're not regular. Mm, I mean, I'm gonna say like 420 489 Holy 489 <laughs> a gallon. And, and it was a long line. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not gonna lie. Insane. It was a long line. So I was kind of excited. I'm thinking, yeah, I saved some money. So this morning, it's my turn to fill up, and I'm not driving a Henrietta to come to the office. So I stay out in Victor, and I put in gas at our BJ's. Any idea what I paid? Premium. Mm, $4.70 4 50 hmm. uh, The only reason I bring that up And we're talking about cents And 20 cents difference Whatever it might be It went down
1: Yeah that's odd
0: I did not expect that I told my wife before I went I said I'm expecting $5 uh, A gallon Didn't happen though So anyhow we, we covered What did you do over this weekend? Anything fun and exciting?
1: Uh, aside from hanging out with some friends Friday night, I didn't really do much. I uh, enjoyed the weather Sunday. Uh, my dad grilled out, so we had a pretty nice day, but nothing crazy going on.
0: Okay. Well, speaking of nothing crazy, I think the uh, the just the opposite is in the market. Like I said, I spent a lot of time trading in the pits and whatnot, but let's jump into the markets and, and hear what's going on.
1: Yeah, so uh, for the Dow Jones, year to date we're down uh, just over eight, percent at 8.2 um, the past five days were down about 1.6 percent and over the last year we're up 3.2 percent but that's going down as we've seen uh, the S&P we're down 10 percent oh just over 10 percent uh, year to date uh, so that's tough over the last five days almost down two and a half percent and almost 10 percent Positive for the last year.
0: Okay, it's more than double what the Dow Jones has done. Yeah, in the past year,
1: the Nasdaq year-to-date down over 15 and a half percent. Over the past five days, we're down just over four percent, and pretty much even over the last year.
0: Hmm. Yeah, a lot of those gains got gobbled up. I mean, it's down more than double the Dow Jones and we're talking about the technology sector. And there's an article, I'll get to it later on in the show, but LPL Research looks at the NASDAQ and you know some of the things that we look at when we trade, whether we're buying or selling or rebalancing, things like that, is momentum. We look at some technicals. To me, it doesn't tell a whole story. I'm not a technician that, that trades just on technicals alone. We look at fundamentals as well. Uh, price-to-earning ratio, things like that, earnings calls. But their research is showing that the NASDAQ will continue this trend, this downward trend, and I'm in the same belief that that will happen. So those are the three major indices, the Dow, the S&P, the NASDAQ. All three are down, almost double digits across the board. I'm sure it's not a surprise to many people. I actually got a message from one of my family members yesterday it says, geez, what's going on in the world? My four oh one K is down twelve percent in the last five days. You know, what's happening? So it depends on where they have their money allocated. But then we look at some of the smaller companies as well. The Russell 2000, year to date down 10%, last three months, down 11 and change, last month down three, and last five trading days down just under 2%. And the one year number on this is still negative, negative 11.67%. So how about oil? We just talked about gas prices, right? Oil energy
1: do you know what the uh, price per barrel is right now it was up about one to 120
0: around there I do I do, I do. It's, it's around 118 119 it's it did slip it was up to like 130 and change and I hate to say this when we talked in January I know my forecast was to reach 115 mm-hmm. and this is a time when I'm not so proud to be right <laughs> um, I wish I was wrong and uh, unfortunately, or, un- or fortunately, depending on where we have money uh, put to work, we've been able to benefit from that. But every time you go to the pump and fill up, uh, I, again, as we get into a later segment of the show, we'll, we'll kind of talk about the impact of... Increased costs, not just for oil and, and energy, but how that affects everyone else on the day to day. Think of people that have fixed income, Social Security, maybe a pension, maybe they got some IRAs or retirement accounts. It's not a good, uh, good situation, not at all. So, getting back to energy, year to date, if we look at these numbers, it's up thirty three percent. Last one year uh, compared to uh, anything else, it's maybe up four times even the highest index, which is the S&P. It's up 46%. Now, today, it's down a little bit, uh, just about 2%. And I know some of that is some short-term pessimism, if you will, on what might happen, what impact we're going to have on the cost of oil and supply by cutting off Russia. There's some talk that China buys up that cheap oil, and then we have more surplus in other areas to buy from. So I guess time will tell. How about gold? Flight to safety. The one day, so today it's down just about 3%, but year to date, it's up 10.65. The one-year number is 15.8. Again, gold has really not been a, a fantastic place to be in the last decade. If you were in any other equity sector, you were making money. Gold is a safe haven. It's like your insurance. You know, you've so, got car insurance, right? So
1: why why is gold uh, performing like it is recently?
0: Well, I think if we look at the trends with just about any commodity, we look at wheat, corn, anything in agriculture, we look at silver, we look at gold, it's a safe haven. It's a place where we go, we, we kind of grab on and, and, and hold tight to that gold. I don't know what that gold is going to do for us if it came to hell and high water, but, I mean, I think of... I think of guns and food. If if you think it's the apocalypse, if it's the end of the world, and I have some doomsday clients that are in like the rural areas or like Batavia, and you want to, t- I mean, they know they know the prices of commodities. I mean, these are farmers, so they know. They they will put side bets on the this wheat, like peanut butter, uh, corn. And this is the first time in probably the last 12 to 14 years that we have any money allocated in some of these sectors like livestock, agriculture, the cost is going to go up. Again, that does tie into some gas prices and other things that impact it. But I think gold is really where people go when they just don't know what to do. Again, I look at it as like an insurance policy. I don't always want to have 10 or 20% of my money invested in gold because I'll be waiting a very long time for that to appreciate. It does well when the market is not doing so hot. And then you look at the other, the digital gold, I guess if you will, the Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin. And today, most of those are up around 7 to 10%, Bitcoin, Ethereum and Litecoin. Year to date, they're all negative negative. and Bitcoin has held up the strongest. Out of the three, it's down just about 6% year-to-date. The others, Ethereum and Litecoin, maybe not as attractive. At least Litecoin is probably the the least favorable. Year-to-date, it's down 31%. The one-year number on Litecoin is down 97%. 97. Ethereum, the one-year number is up 18. And Bitcoin, the one-year number is down 42%. So... Those are the three uh, digital currencies that, that we look at, kind of keep track of. I don't know what the future might hold in store. I did see, I don't know if you saw this, that Biden is talking about creating a digital currency, a U.S.-based digital currency, based on some of the fears that he's seeing of market manipulation within those coins. And they're not as transparent, obviously. Uh, China did something similar to this last year. They want to jump on the bandwagon. Mm-hmm. They want to capture some of that revenue.
1: So that's a, like a government-created yeah. cryptocurrency for America.
0: Again, in the way you, you kind of asked that question, I have the same question. I'm not 100% sure how it will work. Hmm. Doesn't that kind of defeat the purpose of, of cryptocurrency? Yeah.
1: That's exactly what I was thinking.
0: You know, so I don't know if that's really going to have any traction. And then we get into financials. So we talked about, the digital currency we talked about, precious metals and gold and energy, financials. So financials typically do well in a rising rate environment, which is kind of where we're headed. We've taken some steps backwards in financials. And I don't think that has much to do with interest rates or inflation as much as it does the fear and unknown of what will happen with everything going on in Russia. And I don't say in Ukraine because there's, there's no sanctions posed on Ukraine, yeah. but everything that these companies, both private and public, are doing to Russia to try to help hinder their efforts in what they're doing to Ukraine by removing them from the SWIFT codes and things like that, individual companies. And again, we'll get into that in the latest news and updates later on in the show. But all in all, it has been a very active market. If you're sitting on your hands, this buy and hold, it's not working this year. In the last decade, last 10 years, you could have thrown a dart at a board. Whatever sector you land on, you, you put money there. Chances are you're positive. This year, anything that's been down, and I think this is just the beginning of that cycle, that rebalance, that shift from, I don't wanna say growth versus value, but those high multiple things that worked in the last decade are not working now with that let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show Do you want help building and managing an investment portfolio that's right for you? One that will help you maximize growth potential while you're saving, help you generate income when you need it most, and eventually preserve what you've saved to leave to your beneficiaries? We do this day in and day out and take the stress and responsibility of making those decisions off your plate. Subscribe to our newsletter, read our blog post, and listen to our podcast to get a flavor of how we do things. Our firm is unique and capable of handling all your investment and insurance needs. Monarch Wealth Management, our guidance, your future. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host, Sam Guelli. Welcome back to the show, everyone. In this segment, we talk about our case studies. And this is probably one of my favorite parts of the show. We talk about current existing clients and prospects, um, and we provide tips. I think this is this is probably the most useful segment of the show on what uh, what questions people actually have, right, Sam? Definitely. All right, so I'll let you take over. What, what what's on the minds and hearts of, of our clients and prospects right now?
1: Mm-hmm. So we've
0: talked about this a little bit before, uh, and we've
1: talked about this in the office, um, and we're talking about the home market and current buying strategies and what's going on there. We've had a lot of existing clients with a bunch of different questions. I know that's stuff that we've talked about. Um, and really, I guess, I, I wanna know what they've asked you. Like, what what do you think is going on here? What are the trends like? What's the
0: market like? If you could uh, just touch on that. Yeah, great, great question. Sometimes I wonder, uh, am I a real estate agent? No, I'm not, but <laughs> when it comes to trends, people are starting to get more aggressive and maybe step outside of their comfort zone as far as affordability. And I think a lot of that has to do with fear of missing out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, it was this great home. I should have went a little higher. What's an extra five or 10000 More than, you know, I was willing to pay before. I have some people looking to buy additional properties down in Florida, vacation homes. Interest rates have gone... I'd say on average from three to three and a half percent just a few months ago, to four, four and a half and approaching five soon. Interest rates are set to go up next week and there's maybe four or five additional hikes planned for the year. We don't know how much or how often if they'll actually happen. But when I have people asking me questions about real estate, I almost wonder if the market is forcing them you know, like the tail wagging the dog, kind of, kind of driving them to think about real estate in a different way. And I'll give you one scenario of a client who's been looking for a home, has been unsuccessful, putting in bids, and the houses that they continue to send me go up and up and up in value. It's like, wait a minute, we're well beyond where you felt comfortable. Now it becomes a question of affordability. And so when we look at that, we look at the, the cost of the home, what the tax assessment is, and what the purchase price might be. And so you see a house listed for 399,000, let's say in Webster. It's assessed for 200,000. That house might sell for 450475. It's only assessed at 200,000. Those taxes are gonna be close to double what they are today. If they're eight or 9,000 now, it's going to be close to sixteen thousand, and that's probably a a a very true case scenario. So we look at all those components. Some realtors do it, some don't, but that's why our clients are calling us. And so then the next question becomes: If you are buying that house, you're going to have some upfront costs, right? And so, what do you think some of those costs are? How about closing costs. Uh, there's got to be a lot. <laughs> closing costs, you know, typically a percentage of your purchase price is going to be one years of taxes. Taxes are $8,000. you are going to need 8000 right there. You're going to need one year's worth of insurance, right? And so there's all these things that we total. And as we go through those costs, I think it's kind of an eye opener, like, oh, wait a minute. This, there's a lot of money that I need here. But they still want the house. <laughs> They don't want to miss out. And what have we talked about in the first segment? We talked about the stock market losing value. We talked about how low the market is going and if that trend continues, how it might impact things. So the next question I had was, how are you going to pay for all these upfront costs? What do you think they said? Um. My guess is as good as yours. They don't know or, I'll tell you what they, they did say, and this has happened a couple times, which is why I think it's important to talk about. Well, let's just sell all of our stocks. Let's, sell, let's cash out of all our accounts. Is it possible? Of course it is. Anything's possible. But the next question is how much taxes do. So different types of accounts carry different weight and all kinds of other factors. It's not just an easy answer. Um, there are some different things you can do depending on the structure of your account, like borrowing against it, uh, temporary, uh, temporarily pulling cash out and replacing it, things like that. But I want to—that's sort of a, a leading into the next part, next segment of questions that I'd like to address. So, what else is on our hot buttons list? We are talking about retirement plans
1: and uh, you know things like IRAs and their rules, 401Ks, stuff like that. Um, again, uh, we have a lot of clients wondering the difference between these plans, so difference between an IRA and
0: a 401K. How about the difference between an IRA and an IRA? An and your IRA your and an IRA. <laughs> you know, so, so when people, you know, see IRA, mm-hmm. that's an acronym for Individual Retirement Account, right? Can't be owned jointly, can't be you and your cousin, can't be you and your wife, can't be me and my friend or business partner, it's me alone, it's mm-hmm. you alone, it's an individual. So that's what IRA stands for, Individual Retirement Account. Now that account is something that you can add to over time, but what's it designed for? It's right in its name, there's, there, there's a clue. Individual retirement account. What do you think that, that account is for? Well, it's for your retirement. For retirement. So retirement doesn't mean when you're 35. It might mean, I mean, there's some people that if retire at 35. Yeah, if you're lucky. But the the ideal is 59 and a half. <laughs> and when I say ideal, that number, that figure, is dictated by the IRS. Another acronym there, Internal Revenue Service. So you've got the federal government and then you've got the state. Those are the two people you may have to pay taxes on any type of retirement when you pull funds out. If you're not 59 and a half and you say to me, Constantine, I wanna buy this house. And I say, how are you gonna pay for it? You say, close all my accounts, sell them out. You're gonna pay the IRS You're going to pay New York State, maybe. And you're going to pay an additional 10% penalty. The penalty doesn't come to me. Mm -hmm. I don't charge you a penalty to (laughs) close out your account. Uh, Monarch does not charge you a penalty. Uh, LPL Financial, who prints our statements, our broker-dealer, our partner, they do not charge you. These are taxes and regulations. That's why I think it's important to know that those IRAs, IRA, both traditional, and Roth are designed to be that third bucket. So we talk about three buckets. Got a short-term bucket. What, what do you have there? That's your everyday money. Where do you where do you keep your everyday money? It's savings account, checking, checking savings account, account right? Mm-hmm. Should not be invested. It's another question I get. Is now is now the time? Should I should I cash out my savings and invest everything right now? No, <laughs> no. We don't wanna destroy that first bucket. That first bucket is something you depend on. It's your emergency fund. Your car breaks down. You have a repair in your house or your apartment. You need that money. You have a medical emergency, healthcare expenses. Then you've got this intermediate bucket. So we talked about retirement plans being IRAs, traditional and Roth, 401k in that same bucket. That's your third bucket. It's your long-term account. What about smack dab in the middle? Those are called non-retirement accounts or non-qualified. So what's so special about those accounts? Any idea what you can do with those? Well, you can probably take out money whenever you want without a fee. That's correct. From my understanding. That's correct. No, that's, that's spot on. So that, that would be considered an intermediate account. You anticipate you have maybe five or 10 years before you want to use that money doesn't mean you can never tap into it or you're locked into five or 10 years, but that should be your time horizon. And when you sell those, you don't have penalties, but you may have federal and state tax depending on how much you made, how long you've been invested. Depends on what tax rate you're going to get. So I think it's important to know and understand what the difference is between those retirement accounts, non-retirement accounts, and where they fit into one of those buckets. You should have money in all three buckets and if you don't that's okay but the first thing i want to do is fill that that first bucket get your everyday money your checking your savings your emergency fund it only makes sense now how about non-retirement accounts what's so special about those when you trade so if you're not taking money out markets dipped a little bit and we've done this for clients we do something called a tax loss harvest i'm not a farmer although my son might want me to be. (laughs) So we're harvesting gains, we're realizing uh, losses or gains, depending on the client scenario. So why would I ever realize gains and push taxes on you? Well, how about what happened about three months ago when the NASDAQ, the tech heavy companies were sky high? Is it time to take profits? Maybe, depending on your time horizon and kind of where we see the market going. We cashed out and sold and reduced positions. Well, if you have too many gains, you made too much money, well, the drawback is you gotta pay tax, right? So there's things we can do that sell other positions that have lost money to kind of wash out the, the gains with the losses. Even though your account has grown in value 10, 20, 30%, we may have a uh, tax loss that we can use against those gains. Doesn't always happen, but that is something to think about. So I think the differences between those accounts is is important, but specifically to going back to our first question about home buying, people are getting really creative. I say creative, sometimes non-traditional, sometimes might not be make the most financial sense, given the market. You're not looking for a house anytime soon, are you? Nope. I would encourage you to delay it for a little bit, wait till that market cools off. Although I get that question too is if I don't buy this house today for 400,000 in five years from now, is it going to be higher or lower? It's probably going to be higher, but I think the rate at which it's growing will go down. Make sense? Makes sense. All right. With that, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the show. Do you have a high deductible insurance plan? If so, have you set up your HSA? There's a ton of people who don't know what it is or how it works. Even worse, there aren't many people who can give you advice about how to make the most of these powerful and unique programs. Not many advisors focus on this in their practice, don't understand the mechanics of how they work or even where to begin helping their clients. Reach out to me, Constantine at Monarch Wealth Management, and I'll guide you through this process and get you on track to make the most of your high deductible Plan and your superhuman HSA. Welcome back to Pennywise Financial Podcast. This is Constantine here at Monarch Wealth Management with my co-host Sam Guelli. Welcome back to the show, everyone. And latest news, latest news and updates. Well, I don't know if it's latest. It's been kind of the same news for the last three months. But oil prices. We talked about that early in the show. LPL research gives us some good insight. I don't always agree with everything they do, but this is one that I saw come through this morning. Talk about favorable energy outlook. And they talk about the differences being both short-term and long-term and how they might be a little bit different than we are approaching things. I mean, I guess I would ask you, Sam, you've seen gas prices, they went from like $2, let's call it two and a quarter, maybe two and a half bucks Mm -hmm. a gallon, to here we are. I think the average price is like 415 420 Where do you think things will be in like a year or two? I mean, more expensive, higher? Uh,
1: it really depends on the, the oil situation, obviously. Um, I, I really don't know exactly what um, to expect, but I can't really see them getting you know way higher than they are now at least a year down the road i i would expect them to come down a little bit um you know like we saw um, what six seven years ago i think they were pretty high and then they came down a little bit Mm -hmm. um so i would expect something similar to that now obviously when covid first happened and the prices went way down that was great Oh yeah, but when nobody was driving. Le- yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah. know. <laughs> oh boy. Um, but I mean, as far as expectations, I, I I can see them going up a little bit. But like I said, um, I, I don't know if they would let them. Like
0: I don't know. I just really hope they don't get higher. You know. Yeah. I mean, it is it is tough to say. I I don't predict them going back to $2.20 a gallon. Not I just, anytime soon. I just don't. Yeah, I don't see that happening. Number one is the supply is being limited. You know, the, the old school, we learned way back when in grammar school or middle school, I can't remember, supply and demand. You know, when there's high supply and low demand, well, prices are going to go down. When the demand is high and there's less supply, the price is going to go high. And that's kind of the scenario we're in now. The uh, Russia- Ukraine war doesn't help. Mm-hmm. I know the announcement that we're, we've we cut back on buying oil from Russia, and I think this morning they announced that we're not going to buy any more oil from Russia. We talked about that earlier in the show that China will probably scoop up that cheap oil. But we're going to have to get it elsewhere. If we're not producing it ourselves and they're not opening up pipelines, we're gonna buy it somewhere else. And I know that there's this whole, you know, green energy effort, if you will. I just don't think it's feasible that everybody's gonna be driving electric vehicles in the next five years.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, was it the UK or, or the EU even that, well, it was one of them that banned, what the manufacture of gas-powered vehicles after, what was it, like 2030 or something like that? I think you're right. I I remember hearing about that, something like that, but kind of like you said, I I don't understand how that's going to work. I don't either. Are you going to force people, uh, you know, over the next 30 years to buy
0: EV? That's a great Uh, question. And And I feel like almost every day there's a new EV coming around.
1: Definitely coming out with uh,
0: (laughs) different ones.
1: But um, I I guess if more and more people are buying electric powered vehicles,
0: what is that going to do to oil prices? Yeah. And and I think, you know, if we head back to the election, the the new administration, Mm -hmm. the whole push to to green energy and clean energy, you might have thought, geez, buy wind, uh, buy solar, buy all these companies that make solar panels and clean energy. And just the opposite has happened all of the the fossil fuels the coal the oil prices have all skyrocketed their profitability is through the roof they're benefiting from that And this downward pressure you know and, and effort towards green energy it's a it's a good practical i mean everybody wants clean air you want for your kids the next generation whoever it might be we all do but i don't know if it's feasible to say you know in 5 years you can't buy any more cars that run on gasoline and what kind of impact does that have on the the energy sector itself so on the power grid so if everybody's on the grid if are the current systems capable of handling that kind of shift i don't know i don't know that we are i guess time will tell but so lpl's research comes out with this Article this morning talks about high oil prices from solid reopening driven demand and tight supply, of course, supply demand, like we talked about, along with producers' improved capital discipline. They should help support energy stocks in the near term. Bingo. Yes, I totally agree with that. We've made some shifts in the last month or so. Towards more energy type stocks, some oil type stocks, some commodity type stocks. And I think this affects a lot of other aspects of the market. You go to the grocery store, how did that food get to the store? Trucks? Maybe they use trains? I don't know. But, you know, it's going to have an impact on prices. It's this trickle down effect. There's an article that talks about the cost, the impact of even one penny. So for every penny that the price of a gallon of gas goes up, it has a downward impact on spending of about one point eight billion. <laughs> so we've gone up—I I don't know how many, couple hundred pennies here. <laughs> at talking least. about two bucks a, a gallon. So I'm wondering how that's going to have an impact on consumer spending. We already started to see that in some of the apparel sectors. If you're not spending as much money on clothes and going out and doing things, you're not going to travel as much. You're worried about gas prices. You might be doing more virtual things. I don't know. So I don't like the I don't like the outlook of that near term, but I like the energy sector as far as making money for our clients. What's next on the uh, latest news? Uh, Let's see, we were talking about that report that came out last week, the jobs report. Jobs report. What's going on there? Still under 4%. Mm -hmm. So that's going to have an impact on the Fed Reserve. So Jerome Powell, when they analyze the economy and the market and where things are going, they have to kind of change their tune, whether they're going to be dovish or hawkish. If they're going to be dovish and keep rates the same or lower them, that's a good thing to stimulate you know the economy. If the economy is ramping up too fast in other sectors like uh, job growth, uh, wages and things like that, people will have more money to spend so they want to slow that down. If the economy is going too fast, They wanna bring it down by increasing rates. So I think this job report last week, just under 4%, I still see a disconnect. I know these are the numbers being presented to us. Uh, I don't know if I agree with them. I just had a meeting last week with a wholesaler that travels quite a bit and he covers Boston, he covers Philadelphia, covers upstate New York. And I asked him the question, I said, look, is this problem just local? Every business owner I talk to is looking for help. They have jobs open. They can't fill them. They can't find good help. And then you talk to people looking for jobs, and they say they can't find jobs. But these numbers look great. I did see a a listing for a job. Uh, I'm not sure if it was from New York State. I think it was. And it was a COVID counselor job opening. what does that even mean i you know i, I had to read the, i had to actually read the posting to understand it but it, it was basically to provide support to those people those families who had COVID and are recovering from it but to give them resources so that they can come out of this feeling good hmm. and i wondered you know with everything going on in the economy in the politics And what's going on with mask and vaccine mandates, just about everybody's pulled back from everything Mm -hmm. that was imposed. So, you know, downtown War Memorial is now what, Blue Cross Arena? Yeah. You couldn't go to a hockey game unless you had a vaccine. We didn't care if you were 5 years old or 15 years old, you had to have, you know, that. And you had to have proof, and then you had to wear a mask, and then they took the mask away. But they realized that, you know, this is really starting to hurt our bottom line. People are not coming because they don't have that. And then if it's not helping, they're pulling back. So to see a job posting like that that was just a couple of days ago, and then the job report being under four percent unemployment, I wonder if these it's kinda of like a temporary way to fill positions, but the, the, the jobs that are are needing help, needing you know, to be filled, are not being filled. Where are all the people? Where did they go? So there's a disconnect, but I think what's going to happen is it's just going to continue the um, Fed raising rates to curtail inflation, and we're going to have a big inflation problem. I think this is just the beginning. So we talked about the Fed and their scheduled uh, hike to be 25 basis points set to happen mid-month and maybe another four to six built in. (laughs) How much... How often, uh, we don't know, time will tell, but I think that's what's going to happen. It's gonna be 25 basis points to start. And the market kind of already knows that, so I think some of that's baked in. What else is on latest news?
1: Well, let's see, we've been talking about one thing pretty consistently for the past, what, three, four weeks now? (laughs) Maybe longer. Uh, Maybe even longer, of course. We're talking about the war in Ukraine right now. and we're seeing it impact um, very many things, like the the market. Um, you know, inflation, supply chain is even a big one.
0: Uh, what do you see going on there? Yeah, I've had some clients ask me with everything going on in Ukraine and Russia and the sanctions. Do you think that's going to help slow things down? You think it's going to help inflation? You think it's going to slow down when the Fed increases rates? Because the Fed's going to know that, geez, if we raise rates, it's probably going to be bad for the stock market. I think it only makes it worse, of course. I really do. I don't I don't think that I don't think that Jerome Powell says, geez, there's a war going on. If we raise rates, it's going to impact the stock market. That's not their job. Their job is not to prop up the stock market. It's to curtail inflation and kind of adjust things based on their mechanism, which is raising or lowering interest rates. And they give some insight on on the market and the economy. right? And so I don't think that's going to change. Uh, their opinion on things, I think it will only make it worse. So we'll have to keep an eye on things, supply chain, all those things, products, commodities, livestock, wheat, Think about the gas. Think about the cost of products that go into these, these farmers as they use the fertilizers. That's more expensive. This morning, they talked about what these farmers are doing to adjust costs. They can either pay up for inflated cost on this fertilizer, pass that cost on to you as a consumer, or they don't use as much fertilizer to keep their costs the same it's going to yield less product. Mm-hmm. High demand, less product, what's going to happen there? Prices are going to go up anyway. So either way, we're going to get increased prices. Mm-hmm. You know it's coming. So we'll keep a we'll keep an eye on that. I'm sure every every week when we go grocery shopping, we're going to feel that pain. And then how about additional sanctions? So we know what happened with the US and other countries around the world removing the Russian uh, Swift code access, being able to transfer assets, we had all these individual companies like Google uh, with YouTube not allowing. What do they call that? Where they can benefit from commercials, uh, like monetization, moneti- stuff like yeah, that, yeah, monetizing, mm-hmm. and things like that. Some other financial sectors, and then how about McDonald's? The announcement yesterday. They, they Did you closed see that? Every single one of their stores, right? Nine hundred and fifty stores crazy. in Russia
1: crazy well i mean this is part of the reason i think i saw um russia said that like the united states declared an economical war on russia in a way they of kinda, stuff like that we kind of did right but i mean i feel like it was completely warranted absolutely you know what i mean so uh, i mean it's just kind of crazy some of the the statements that the russian government is coming out and saying um meanwhile they're doing some crazy stuff to say the least in ukraine <laughs> I know
0: so I wonder I, I really wonder if I could take a peek into Putin's mind like what's the end game? like how you know did the, is this playing out the way he imagined?
1: I've wondered that too um, I think there were also reports that said he's very angry. Um, he expected to take Ukraine very quickly. Um, so I think he's really mad that that hasn't happened yet. I think he underestimated mm-hmm. uh, the civilian population. Um, in Ukraine and their their response to Russia's invasion has been pretty crazy
0: and uh, pretty cool honestly. You bring up a good point. In a meeting yesterday, th- this wasn't this wasn't coming from me. this actually came from Dave, but we talked about that. Think about this. I come in to invade you're my neighbor. I come in to invade and attack your home. Mm-hmm. What are you gonna do? That's your home. That's your domain, right? You're gonna fend off any enemies any any invaders intruders whatever it might be whatever you can do that's your home mm-hmm. I'm trying to take it over but you have a lot more to protect I think you have um, you know kind of a vested interest and although I might want to overcome and, and take over your territory, I'm just thinking from the perspective of these um, civilians that are fighting everybody's fighting to do what they can.
1: Mm-hmm. It's honestly, um, it's pretty inspirational, I'd say. It is. Because you see, well, obviously, the, the Russian military is among the world's strongest in terms of numbers. Oh, yeah. Uh, yet they're having a really difficult time with this invasion because these civilians, like we're talking about, are very proud to be ukrainian civilians they're very proud of their country proud of their heritage and they're literally fighting for their freedom so they have everything to fight for and we're seeing uh reports of these russian troops the morale is really low Uh, they don't want to be there they're (laughs) so it's it's
0: crazy but it's definitely inspirational it is. I hope this whole thing gets resolved. This day and age to have this kind of war going on, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I
1: mean, I I didn't think it was going to happen when they said, oh, Russia's going to invade. I'm like, I, I just can't see it
0: because, like you're saying, you know, this day and age, stuff like this shouldn't really happen. It shouldn't. It's, th- it's uh, a little bit disappointing. Mm-hmm. Not a little bit. It is disappointing. But it's, it's to your,
1: your original point, what does Putin, like what is his end game here? I don't know. I, I can't see it turning out like positive at all for him no because he's going to be you know penalized severely
0: probably sooner than later and when does it end like does at some point putin say you know enough is enough let's just retreat let's and if he does that that's when he's going to get in some trouble i think i think so too i think so too
1: well and if he does take ukraine Quickly, If he does take Ukraine to accomplish his goals, is he going to stop there or is he going to want to keep going? And if he keeps going, he's screwed.
0: Great question. <laughs> I mean, these are all great questions. We, we, we really don't know. Again, we talk about it all the time. I don't know if we have all the facts. I don't I don't. Mm-hmm. I'm not a, uh, you know, uh, treaty negotiator or understand, you know. And, you know, think about this, too. An acts of war. There's certain war crimes. There's certain things you can and can't do. Like, I just picture fighting for your life, and there's rules, right? You can't mm-hmm. don't bomb the the nuclear power plants. Don't do this. Don't do that. Like, we're, they're doing they, all the things that they're not supposed to. Exactly, exactly. So, anyhow, enough of the. Uh, drama and uh, very dark talk. We, we covered a lot of areas of the market, the, uh, the stock market and where our clients are invested and kind of worried and concerned about their 401ks, their retirement plans. So we're here to address those questions. We're definitely working on it in trading for our clients, repositioning, rebalancing all the time. I think that's all the time we have for today's show. Thanks again, Sam and listeners. We will see you next week. See you next week.
2: You've been listening to Pennywise Financial, brought to you by Monarch Wealth Management. Constantine and David really care about their clients. They want to make sure you're happy, so you'll continue to hire them. There's no commitments, and clients are free to leave whenever they want. Think about being able to pick up the phone and call someone for guidance and advice on almost anything from buying a car, selling a home, buying vacation properties, or even selling a business. Reach out on the website at monarchwealthmanagement.com. There are two offices in Rochester and two offices in Buffalo. Reach out to us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and YouTube. Or call us toll-free at 800-480-1580. That's 800-480-1580. Until next time, this is Pennywise Financial, signing off.